This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the Shot Callers episode four. Brandon Worth here joined this time by my friend Travis Hicks with no Joe Nagy today. Another curveball back-to-back. But Travis, how's it going, man? Good, man. Glad to be back. It feels like a long time since I've been back on the show, but love everything you and Joe have been doing and uh, glad to give more great content for our great uh, viewers out there. Absolutely. We're excited to give you guys the content. We got a lot of it today, so let's shoot right into it. But first... Don't forget to check out Bulldog Radio on wherever podcast platform you are on. You can find them on their social medias. And if you want to make a podcast at Ferris State University, that is the place to go, right, Travis? That's where we went, and it worked out for us. So definitely check them out. This is exactly what Brandon said. Please check us out. All the great podcasts, too, not only sports, we have great music, history, and other own podcasts on there. Check Bulldog Radio out. Absolutely. Going right into the first topic of the day, of course it's NBA, and of course it's the Western Conference Finals. What an absolute epic series we have going on right now. The Suns currently leading the Clippers 3-1 after their Game 4 win last night. Travis, is this it for the Clippers? Brandon, I've been a Kawhi fan for about two years now. Yes, I'm sad. Sad to say it is over. I just think the Clippers can't come back down. Obviously, we saw them in the first series against Utah. They came down from 0-2. Then the next series against Denver, I mean, not, not against uh, Denver, but in the next series, they came back down 0-2 again against, uh, well, it was the Mavericks in uh, Utah. So I think it's, like, crazy what they've been doing, but with Kawhi out, he's the one that kind of, like, fuels them. I don't think they can. Paul George has been kind of wishy-washy. Reggie Jackson has been playing not like himself, so I have to give him credit, but... I think it's over with Chris Paul. This is his year. You know, he had a battle with COVID, and he came back. Devin Booker's been holding it down. He's been getting Kobe comparisons. I just think the Suns got um, the better team, especially with DeAndre Aiden as well. I, I, don't, I think the Clippers lose game five. Wow. Yeah, I think right now, like, Phoenix, I'll, I'll be honest, like, they were playing so well in the regular season. I honestly had a little bit of question if they were going to pull it in. And then especially at the beginning of the series with Chris Paul out uh, with COVID protocol. I mean, but then Kawhi not being there, he's, that it's really hurting him. It, it really has hurt them a lot, the Clippers in this series. But, I mean, right now, I will, will say this. If there's any team that could pull this on a probable comeback based on what we've seen already, it is the Clippers. And we heard Ty Lue saying, it's one game at a time. We've been here before. Look what we did against Utah. It's like, okay. But these this series feels a little bit different because... I mean, going with the, with the Jazz, it was kind of more like the Clippers were more giving games away due to some sloppiness. Where Phoenix is now, like they're taking some, they're controlling a lot of this game. And we you got we can't give enough credit uh, to Chris Paul and what he's done with this team. He's the guy, and we've heard so much from his teammates, especially DeAndre Ayton, saying CP3 is the reason that we're playing at our best right now. He's he's the reason that he's been making me play the best at my position right now. And DeAndre Aiden saying that I feel like speaks for the whole team. They they've really been great of controlling the tempo. They've scored so well in the paint and they've given the Clippers they pretty much have to adapt or go home. And right now they're they're not being as consistent and Phoenix is winning that battle right now. 
I can see the Clippers doing a, having a little bit of a last gasp, but I think this will probably end in six with Phoenix going to the NBA Finals. I got to agree, Brandon. You make all points verbatim, I agree with you. I just think with no Kawhi, they can't come back in this series. You need Kawhi. He like kind of fuels the team. He's been the best player. Before the playoffs started, I had the Nets and Clippers. Obviously, the Nets are done. The Clippers are on the brink of being done. I just really believe if Kawhi was there, I would give him a great chance to come back to 3-1. But just Paul George, I don't believe is enough. I think Devin Booker is better than Paul George. And Reggie Jackson, as good as he's been playing, there's not much of a comparison you can try to do with him and Chris Paul. So I just think the Suns, this is their time. And Chris Paul, to me, if he wins it this year, he breaks into the top five for all-time point guards. That's a hot take, but I think that is factual because this is a man who has gone to team after team and made them better. OKC had a 2% chance to make the playoffs last year. Got them to the playoffs. Rockets, 15-plus wins in the first year. And now the Suns hadn't made the playoffs since 2010, and now they're on the brink of going to their first NBA Finals since 93, where they lost to Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. So I just think... There's a lot of cool things. And one thing I also want to say about this conference finals, there's so much parity. There's no Steph, there's no Bron, there's no KD this year in the finals. So we don't really know who's going to win. In either team who wins, it will be the first championship by either of the four since 1977. And that was like 20-something 20, 20 years before our <laughs> existence. So I just think it's very cool for us fans to see this parity. Also what Trey Young and them are doing, I know we're going to get into that. But uh, it's exciting, and I'm very happy for Devin Booker and the Suns. I believe they'll win game five. Yeah, I mean, Devin Booker, too, he, like we've given Chris Paul credit. Devin Booker also deserves some credit. Having, averaging 25 in this series, he's been nothing but spectacular as well. And, I mean, the one thing that I was wondering going into this series is how the the Suns would adapt to um, the Clippers being a much more... Because if you kind of compare these two teams, the Suns are an, a fantastic, efficient offensive team, and they are a great defensive team. But, I mean, when you have Kawhi on the floor, the Clippers' defense absolutely skyrockets and that was something that i was going to wonder but we've really seen the suns really lock it down i mean they've kept la under 100 points in two out of the three games and that's really been a cute or huge so far in this series and it's really making this series change a little bit more because i mean the last couple we haven't seen shootouts we're not seeing some of the other games that we saw earlier we're not seeing some of the 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 big time scoring 130 to 140 type games we're seeing we're seeing double digits on both sides of the scoreboard, which is something we're not used to. I mean, going back to what we were talking about with the Lakers and the Cavs, it was like the Lakers, the Cavs, the Warriors, all those teams you were just mentioning. I mean, we're looking for we're looking for TV ratings all over the board, nothing but buckets. And this season, this season has really produced playoff teams that are showing defense first, and I think that's really interesting. And I was kind of speaking of defense now, going over into the next side, uh, the Hawks and the Bucks right now. Um, I'll be honest, I'll admit, I'm surprised the Hawks are still here. I really am. But they're showing me some things, man, Travis. They are showing me that they can compete. But there is one thing that the defense of the Bucks is really what showed out in Game 2, and that's what gives me a little bit of concern about the Hawks going forward is the fact that, I mean, Trey Young, fantastic Game 1. I mean, the dude was ballistic. 47 points. My goodness. And then Game 2, 15 going to have to need more than that if you want to keep this train rolling and that's the reason why the Bucks won in by over 30 points but I think this series is going to be a lot more intriguing than people realize but I'm not sure if I mean if the Bucks don't collapse offensively and can get that average to above average efficiency on that end there I think they're going to be in good shape as far as this series goes especially towards later games 
Definitely agree with your point, Brandon. I just think it's crazy. Like I was talking about with the parody, Trey Young, 22 years old, a year younger than me, has been going insane. You know, 48 points. He became the second youngest, uh, tied for the second youngest player to have that many points in a conference final, the other being LeBron in 07 when he scored Sally 48 against the Detroit Pistons. I remember watching that game. But yeah. back to the story, um, I think the Hawks, they go as Trey Young goes. So Trey Young's going to have to do that every night. I don't think it's asking him too much because Trey Young is young and he can get his shot off. But I think Trey Young does need to utilize more John Collins, Clint Capella, the guys who he has been before, but just use, utilize them more because they're going to need everything that they can get because Milwaukee, when Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton are on, they're a tough team to beat. Then you can't sleep on Brooke Lopez. So, like, they have so many different weapons that they can beat you with because they got demolished in game two. As you said, he only had 15 points. They were down by 34 at halftime. I remember watching the game. So the Bucks, um, I think the Hawks did a great thing by winning one game in Milwaukee because now if they can defend home court when these next two games and go up 3-1, that will give them an awesome chance at winning the series. But I truly believe in my heart the Bucks will win the series. I don't think Trey Young has enough help to beat Giannis. I think this is Giannis's year to make his first NBA Finals. He's been so close. 2019, when he won his first MVP, lost to Kawhi, and last year in the bubble, they got blew out, blew out by Jimmy Butler. So this is Giannis's time, and I think Game One they got enough, and they kind of came back and defended themselves in Game Two, and I think they will the rest of the series. Yeah, and I mean. The Bucks right now look like they're a legitimate team. I mean, I don't think we're surprised that they got this far because, I mean, hypothetically, looking at how the bracket is going to play out, it was really going to be if the Nets don't make it, the Bucks are going to make it. it. It just seems like that was kind of the way it was going to go. And, I mean, especially the 76ers falling out certainly helped those odds to get them here because, um, I mean, if this was Bucks nets this would be a very interesting series because of how explosive that next net that Nets team is offensively. But then again, defense also wins championships, and we learned that the hard way, especially there in Brooklyn. But Brandon, not to cut you off, that series literally came down to Kevin Durant's foot. His foot literally so six close inches. From yep, being behind, from being behind the line, it would be Nets versus Hawks. So that, that was just an interesting point I had to throw out. Which would be incredible. That would be the classic triple-digit 130-140 every single night type of games, too. But, I mean, this Bucks team, I I don't think we're surprised that they're here. I, I'm surprised at how well they're playing offensively. Because no, there's no doubt, top 10 defensive and inefficiency. And just overall, if you were to rank them, some people would probably put them in the top five for good reason. They have so many pieces. I mean, we mentioned Giannis. But the offensive side is really, to me, like what I've been surprised about. And it's directly with having Chris Middleton and the addition of Drew Holiday. This team looks so much better on the offensive end. And then you also add P.J. Tucker to knock it down from the outside. This offense looks different. It's not one-dimensional through Giannis anymore. And that's why this Milwaukee team is so much better. And it's really helping the Bucks as far as being able to play game, play teams like theoretically playing Brooklyn and how they're playing right now against Atlanta when they use that defense and then they have the offense to pull away and lengthen that deficit and they're they're flat out winning games as far in the playoffs I mean there have been some scares but theoretically they should be here they've gotten here and they've done it on both sides of the floor which has surprised me but right now I'm not surprised that they're at this point it's just how they've gotten here. It's been pretty incredible to see. 
Oh, no, definitely. And one thing, anyone who says the NBA is rigged has lied to us. Because, like, this is so <laughs> great. I just feel like for the league that we have, you know, four potential stars that could win their first ring, Chris Paul, you know, Paul George, you know, Giannis, and Trey Young. So I just think this is, like, so great. And these series are going to come, even though I think it's going to be Bucks and Suns currently, it, it could really come down to the wire. The Clippers, we've seen them. They can possibly make a comeback. Obviously, um, the Bucks and uh, he, uh, Hawks play tonight, so I think it's going to be all these like new different things. So I think it's going to be great for the league and these finals. Whoever it is, you know, it's going to be insane. Their city is going to go crazy, especially since the world is starting to open up and stuff like that. So I definitely intrigue. I'm going to take Bucks game three, and I'm going to take um, Suns game five. Okay, yeah, I think I'm also going to go. I'm going to go Clippers in game five. I think they'll extend it for at least one more game, but I will take the Suns at the rest of the series. Um, I, I would also agree. I think the I think the Bucks right now found something that they can use defensively, and that's really shutting down Trey Young, which makes me, like you mentioned, they're going to have to use their other assets to score the basketball in that case. We're going to need to see John Collins. We're going to need to see Kevin Herter. We're going to need to see those guys light it up Gallinari as well they're gonna have to score and they're gonna have to score a lot if they're gonna be just hawking down on Trey Young which is pretty much a good way to beat the Hawks right now because they haven't had to use it I mean when Trey Young yeah. scored 47 what what do you do it's like trying to stop trying to stop the bleeding with a napkin it's not gonna work so I don't really know exactly what they could do oh wait let's put two guys on him let's crash him in the paint and make somebody else score oh they're not scoring that's how you beat the Hawks right now. But I will say this, one thing you were just mentioning about um, the the fact that this is not necessarily as star-loaded of finals as we've seen in years past. As much as I love to watch the Warriors and Cavs just take blow for blow in dynasty building the last four years in the finals, I really enjoy now knowing that, hey, we're going to have a new champion and a new finals matchup this year. That's going to be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. No Lakers, no Heat. We're going to have a brand new clean slate in the finals, and it's going to be really fun. And that's what I really love about NBA basketball. And I, what a story would be for Nate McMillan coming into this Hawks, this Atlanta franchise after being less than 500 at the early part of the season and bringing him to the NBA finals and possibly an NBA championship. Boy, that's a Cinderella story waiting to happen, man. I definitely agree. I think it's, um, it's just interesting. That's the beauty of sports and, I love it, like, even though it's a condensed season, I love the fact that the finals are going to be in July. So not only are we getting baseball, we're going to get the NBA finals. You know, stuff is opening up. It's great to see the fans back at the game. It just feels like real life again. And who would have known the first year, kind of, which things are going back to normal is the most parody that we've ever had in the last 20-something years. So I think it's very interesting. I would have loved to see Steph, LeBron, or... KD and another superstar in the finals this year. But sure. I think this is great for basketball just because we don't know if we're going to get this again. Another super team could be formed this upcoming offseason. So I love the fact and love this for these four teams. And also, outside of L.A., these are not big market teams. So I love it that the small market teams, the blue-collar cities, I like to say are getting some love too. Absolutely. And speaking, great transition, Travis. Speaking of blue-collar teams and blue-collar markets, uh, some of them have already made moves for next year. Notably, Portland is going to be most likely 95% certain. Then again, they're going to be taking Chauncey Billups under their wing as the new head coach. So I'm I'm excited for that. I think he's going to be a great fit taking on 
that team with McCollum, Lillard, that backcourt. I think he's going to do some great stuff. Uh, Rick Carlisle going to the, the Pacers, if I remember correctly. And it sounds like Jason, Jason Kidd to the Mavs is going to happen. So very interesting choices as far as these new coaching hires. Uh, Travis, which one of these do you think is going to be the most influential so far? And great question. Great question. I got to go my man, Mr. Big Shot. No bugs. Oh, no, I love it's... Chauncey Billups. I think he's tremendous. He's done a great job as assistant coach. He's obviously been a great analyst on ESPN. I think this is what Damian Lillard needs. Damian Lillard's been kind of a blue-collar guy himself his entire career, kind of underrated. And Chauncey knows the feeling of that. Chauncey's a finals MVP that might not even make the Hall of Fame. So I think this is perfect for him. Now I think what Chauncey needs to do is add a few more pieces around Dame. If, if Dame's going to stay long-term, they're going to need to get Second, third, and fourth guys. For 600 years. I just think for Rick Carlisle and Jason Kidd for the Mavericks is also great just because he won a championship with Rick Carlisle and you can probably get some tips from him on how to coach Luka. But I think out of all three of those teams, the Trailblazers were the biggest winner. Chauncey Bills is one of those guys that's like impossible to hate. He reminds me of Torrey Hunter from former Detroit Tigers player. Everyone loves this guy. He's a great guy on and off the court. He's a great leader from his former coach, Larry Brown, would always say. So Chauncey's really going to take them under the wing. I think Portland's a team to watch out for. I've never been big on Portland, but since they got Chauncey, I think Chauncey's going to take this team in another direction. Yeah, that's honestly my my pick, too. I think that that overall, just the splash factor, that franchise with that big of a name stepping in. And, of course, as Pistons fans, we love Mr. Big Shot. So I think that's actually that's absolutely a great one. Um, I will say that the other two, like Jason Kidd to the Mavericks, kind of seems interesting. Um, Rick Carlisle to the Pacers, I feel like is kind of like they're just they're just ready to take the next steps. Like, hey, we're gonna make the playoffs. That's the goal. And this guy's done it year after year. Where Dallas is like, oh, now we've made the playoffs year after year. We need to go to the next rung of the ladder. And right. Jason Kidd could be that guy. Um, not necessarily as high of a splash factor as, of course. Billups to the Trailblazers, but that's still going to be an interesting move because I think that Rick Carlisle is a, a great coach. But I, I mean, you mentioned it the experience factor of Jason Kidd is definitely going to come into play, especially if these guys are ring chasing because Jason Kidd's been there. And the fact is, Luca, KP, this team has so many assets that they just need to they just need to be able to come together and just make it as clean moving as possible and one step is to purposely tank a game so they don't run into the clippers again that's one of the problems they need to not do that one but i think this is definitely an interesting move i'm gonna be very interested to see how dallas reacts to this because i think that there was some other i mean maybe not getting chauncey might be a little bit of a blow because everybody loves chauncey but uh, it'll be very interesting i'm really curious to see about how dallas does with jason kidd I think it's going to definitely be interesting. With Jason Kidd already winning a ring, I think he's going to be more willing to listen to Luka just because Rick Carlisle, I'm not saying he didn't listen to him because Rick Carlisle is a great coach, but Jason Kidd winning a ring in Dallas, he knows how much it will mean to the city. And Luka, Luka, that's the only way you're going to get validated. You've got to get a championship, but you are young. You have plenty of time. You're only 22. But I love Luka's mentality now that he wants to win and he wants to do all these different great things. But I think the next step is building, getting a few more pieces around him. Because when you're up 2-0 in a series, you have to finish it off. You mm-hmm. have to like take advantage of that. You can't lose you know, the series in seven. But 
I do think it's a good learning experience because Luca's young. He's only 22. This man's going to be around for at least the next 13 to 15 years. I think Jason Kidd's going to do a great job with him. And also, uh, Brandon, you ready to move into our next topic? I am indeed. We now swap over to the gridiron and the pigskin and one of the most well-awaited discussions that we've wanted to have on this show. Where in the world is Mr. Aaron Rodgers? I think he's on a beach somewhere in Maui, and he's just not telling anybody. It's it's crazy. Kevin Durant, LeBron are all in Cancun just enjoying, waiting for his uh, new film to drop. No, I'm just kidding. uh, Sure. (laughs) I think think he's still holding out. Him and Matt LaFleur and just the entire organization in Green Bay just don't get along right now currently. I think Aaron Rodgers, I don't know where he's going to end up. I told my dad personally, I really think he would fit the best with the Saints, especially with Drew Brees retiring. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, I think that would make them an instant Super Bowl favorite just for all those weapons. But I think Aaron Rodgers needs to make a decision soon because this man just won the MVP. 48 touchdown passes, only five interceptions. He's still one of the only quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to not throw 100 career interceptions. This man's been in the league since 05 and been a starter since 08. So I think Aaron Rodgers, all the great things he's done, future Hall of Famer, but he needs to be in a situation where he can get another ring. I think for Aaron Rodgers to be in that conversation with, like, Brady and Manning, or like to get like I think personally he's the fifth greatest quarterback, but if he wants to get like probably in that top three realm or even in the goat conversation, Rodgers needs at least one or two more rings. I think he has the capability of it, but Brandon, I really think the reason why he's holding out, I feel like his prime is being wasted in Green Bay. I feel like they don't trust him enough for some odd reason. I think in the NFC title game there was another example of that they wouldn't let him go for it on fourth and goal, where they could have easily took advantage of the game. But I really think he should end up in New Orleans, and a sweet Detroit. I know Detroit wouldn't happen, but I can always dream. Where, where, where <laughs> do you think he should go uh, this upcoming season? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. I think I know I'm going to take out of the two. But, yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. I don't think that's going to happen just because of that rivalry. But uh, I. this is really interesting, and I don't know why I, I would ever tell myself that I'm going to be on the side of a Packers player but I think right now it's like I I do believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to stay away, and I don't think he's going to be back by the July 2nd deadline. I don't see why the the early on, just the agony of the news and everything that was said about him, if you wanted to make a statement, I feel like he'd already do so, and I think right now he's kind of at the point where it's like, well, I'm already on the train. Why am I going to jump off when we only got five miles to my destination, you know? Yeah. It's just going to be, I just don't feel like that's going to happen. I feel it's just going to be a weird situation for the Packers now. I mean, they've signed quarterbacks. They've really, they've tried to their best to somewhat counteract the blow, which is still going to be a massive right hook to their jaw regardless. So really they're just, yeah, you know, it's pretty much the same thing, trying to cover cover a, a wound with a Band-Aid. And it's just going to be like, yeah. eh, I don't know if that's going to help. So, so yeah, I, I it's just going to, I don't think this is going to be, a good situation either way because I think the only way the, that Aaron Rodgers comes back to me for the Packers is if, well, A, obviously, Guttekunst in the front office are going to fig- say, you know what, we screwed up. I'm sorry, Aaron. We're going to help you out. We're going to help let you make decisions, give you more money. And let's, 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 re- let's re-tie up all the relationships. <laughs> but right now, the, the, the two are just like this because nobody's willing to give up just no everyone just wants their high status and they both believe that they're both powerful people and regardless on how they feel about each other 
Like, that's just going to stay there. They're both, they're, they just haven't compromised yet. And I don't see how they keep, will. And I think that, that this probably might end badly for the Packers, sadly, just because no one's willing to fork up their pride. I just feel like you're, you're completely right. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers has been the one girl or guy stuck in that relationship that's been constantly cheated on. <laughs> but he keeps coming back to them because he thinks there's going to be a different outcome where they can change or they, you know, something that they're going through. But it's just like you're going to be in the same situation. So Aaron Rodgers, you've seen them flirt with other people right in front of you. I think at this point um, he just needs to go. I don't know if they can fix the relationship. I could see him possibly still playing for the Packers, but I think the relationship is still messed up. And I just think it comes to a point where it's like both of them are kind of at fault because Aaron Rodgers has had also the help too. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion, or at least top three, however you want to say it. Aaron Jones has been very consistent, one of the top running backs. So, and they worked on the defense getting them more help. But I also see where Aaron Rodgers' point is, you know, and when we look back at the draft of 2020, you know, you get Jordan Love when there were 27 other receivers we could have taken, you know. So I just think there's a lot of from both sides. But Aaron Rodgers, he needs to be on a team. He's too good to retire right now. He's only 37. I definitely think he can play at least another five more years. You see Brady going till he's 44 right now. I think Rodgers can do the same because Rodgers has one of the greatest arms we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I was I was firmly on the train of, you know what? San Fran's a great place for him. And then when I when they ended True. up drafting Trey Lance, I mean, hey, that still is a possibility. And they were in the trade talk. I know the Rams were also one in there. But, of course, our hometown lines with our relationship made that happen pretty quickly yeah. for Jared Goff. So, um, hey, I'll take the picks. Just saying. Um, but at the end of the day, like, uh, I mean, I looked at the number and it's $18.3 million that Rodgers is going to lose by sitting out this year. And it could go up to twenty, um, based on ends up skipping OTA, skipping training camp, he's going to lose another $2 million, which, I mean, then again, $20 million to Aaron Rodgers is not the same as $20 million to me or you, Travis. So then again, I think that's going to also be uh, really interesting to see how that goes out. Because, I mean, how much are they willing to extend Rodgers based on the MVP status? I mean, right now we haven't seen that, and I'm sure that's also factoring into it. Just all these little things, all these little... um, you know, why don't we let Aaron help us with draft day and figure out who we should draft and all that sort of stuff? And it's, no, 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 he's a player. He's a player. Um, oh, should we give him the extra $3 million? Ah, he's Aaron Rodgers. He'll be fine. What is he going to do with $3 more million? It's like, no, it's the relationship part of it. It's in, the, in this, it seems like in this industry, money means appreciation. If you have a guy, and I, we'll use this at the Lions, for example. I am very thankful for Taylor Decker. I really am. And the fact that we got to extend him makes me feel happy about myself. So Frank Ragnow especially too. Like those guys, we appreciate what they've done through everything that this Lions franchise has been through. And giving them the money, keeping them around, shows our appreciation for them. And that's kind of the situation for Green Bay. So now is it, do they depreciate how Aaron Rodgers is treating them? or the other way around, that's where it just seems like we're going full circle, and that's why these two teams, or these two these two sides have not been talking, it seems like, since May. So until somebody forks up their pride, we're going to see Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. I don't think the league, let alone the Packers fans individually, wanted to see that. Brandon, you're definitely right, because um, the Packer fans, just like we went 13-3 and almost made the Super Bowl for the second straight year, so like, 
you're there to compete. You can get over the top and get to a Super Bowl, because who knows, say if they beat the Buccaneers, they might beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know, in the Super Bowl. That's a completely different conversation. So I just think uh, it comes to a point about the big games, I feel like, too, because he feels like his time's being wasted, because, like, you're going 13-3, and winning MVPs, doing all these great stuff in the regular season. It's like you're coming up short when it matters uh, the most. So I can understand his frustration. But I do, my prediction is Aaron Rodgers will play in 2021. I'm just not sure for what team, but I definitely believe he'll play. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I could, I'll, I'll be, I'll play contrarian, and I'll say he doesn't play. Um, and this will okay. turn into a very this. How ironic would this be? Turns into a Melvin Gordon situation. He takes less money to go somewhere else, and mm. actually becomes less efficient. That's a story I don't think anybody wants to hear. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Packers fans, Packers staff, or the NFL in general, I don't think I think we yeah. want to see Aaron Rodgers playing at MVP level. Will that be with the Packers? We'll find out. But whether or not he's going to be in that those throwback uniforms, Travis, I don't know if you heard or not, but NFL's bringing alternate helmets to 2022. How exciting is that, bringing it all the way back? I think this is amazing. It gives me kind of like 2007 through 2012 feels. I used to love, like, the Lions on Thanksgiving Day when they would wear the alternative, like, black jerseys, kind of like mm-hmm. the jerseys they would wear with Joey Harrington in the early 2000s those days like with uh, Barry Sanders so I think it's amazing now with the helmet it's going to look even cooler so I think this is very cool I think this is definitely for sales they're going to make a lot more money off this because more fans are going to try to buy it and you know do the replicas and stuff like that so I think it's amazing I think it's very cool it's another win W for Roger Goodell I'm going to give you a W sometimes I give L's because I don't like I don't like everything he does but this is definitely a W definitely a win (laughs) Roger Goodell W (laughs) that's great I I think it's I think it's great for the league, and now the marketing side of the teams, the people that are behind the scenes get a chance to like kind of come up with different designs and cool stuff for like the fans that be broadcasted all over CBS, Fox, you know, and NBC. So this is a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I think like um, the first thing that came out to me, and I think a lot of it is like, oh, now the Bucks, the Bucks can wear the full creamsicle uniforms. Now they have the matching helmet because I don't know how that would look with a standard like that. That Matt Slate gray helmet with the cream, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look right. So now that teams get to, and even the Eagles too, going back to like those Kelly Green throwbacks, now they can add the helmet to it. I think it just makes everything better as far as throwback uniforms go. Now it's probably gonna look a little different because um, now you're gonna see teams and like there will be some teams that'll throw use throwbacks the full length and maybe they shouldn't. But now this gives a free reign of you know there's uniforms where it's like. Oh well, this is a great uniform. Like, the, like we could say the the Kelly Green for the for the Eagles as an example, but it doesn't look right without the helmet with it. Now we have the helmet with it. It's like, oh, now we can actually do it because it actually looks decent. So th- that's what I'm looking forward to to see what of those uniforms were held back by that role and now are going to be on full display this upcoming year. And I believe it's also by 2023 they're going to be looking to even have like full the full fledged. Uh, Full-fledged alternate uniforms are pretty much going to be a go. That teams don't have a limit and they can have as many. And just how that's going to progress. Because I think that the uniforms have definitely taken like a really high... um, They've taken a really high step over this last decade. Just with how much everything now is more marketable. Shoes, uniforms, 
like all the different design wear for all these different teams have just skyrocketed. Marketing for all the sports has just blown straight up. And just the fact that it's continuing to do that, it's just making the making the game more exciting. And everybody's really excited to get their uniforms, get everything that they really appreciate about their team and their sport. And now it's on full display with the helmets. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Oh, Brandon, everything. <laughs> I was kind of just going to jump in and say, like, literally the exact same thing. I think this is amazing. Like I said, I think it's a W. Roger Goodell, you know, keep getting more of those because I'll start liking more. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think this is, you know, tremendous. It's just going to be interesting. It's like something to look forward to for the upcoming season. We already have the extra game making a 17-game schedule now. Now we have this to look forward to. And I definitely think this is not it. I think they're going to do more similar things like this, like how the designing of the helmets. I can see them doing something different with the jerseys, like for um, certain days and stuff like that. So I think this is the beginning of something that could be potentially a masterpiece, like with just different ideas being brought to the table, then utilizing them at the same time. So it's definitely going to be a great. Mm-hmm. Roger Goodell gets a W from me if we get the Lions get midnight black instead of the the heather oh charcoal sweatpants yeah. type color for the color rush. If he gets midnight black, I'll throw up the W on the show. But I, I, we, we those grays are okay. I want I want midnight blacks back. Just the fact that you said that the aura is now in my brain and I can't get it out. I want the midnight black uniforms back. I still put them on Madden every time I play with them. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just a classic, man. I just really wish that they'd still be here. It's unfortunate. Those are dope, though. I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I love those. I don't know why they got rid of them. It's kind of it's kind of upsetting, especially like Detroit sports in general. Just we need more. We need more pizzazz. Everything's just kind of still old fashioned, which is cool that we're we're reigning the history. Like the Tigers don't have an alternate jersey. Like it's just kind of Homer away. Grays or whites. It's really that's it. Where other teams got BP, like different other kind of alternates. But anyway, we'll just have to save that for another show. But finally, into the last part of the NFL talk for today. Today, excuse me. Comeback teams. I know there's a couple in my mind, Travis. Um, I'll throw out one right out of the gate that I think is gonna have a bounce back year. Um, Will. Not necessarily like, am I going to say, yeah, they're Super Bowl bound because it definitely won't happen with the luck they have. But I think Dallas is one of those teams. I mean, just not having Dak Prescott, not having Zeke at his full bloom level and like just not having everybody on the field together. It just didn't seem right. And Andy Dalton, as much as we love the red rifle, is not the same as Dak Prescott. Not even close. It's not it. it it's here. It's no nowhere. There's yeah, nowhere. It's just a situation where. That team is better than they are when we saw last year. They're better. And we just did not get a chance to get everybody on the field together just with the Dak Prescott injury. And, I mean, they were doing great in that game where he got injured and then just just plummeted. I It was just really sad to see because Dallas was better than that on paper. They can show it this next year as long as they keep everybody healthy. Not saying they're going Super Bowl bound. No, not saying that at all because with their luck, they're going to run out before the playoffs and get beaten in the wild card by the philadelphia eagles like it happens every single year but oh, yeah. they're definitely a team there they don't deserve to be near the bottom in the nfc east they should be at the top and i think having dak and everybody back to full strength makes them a true comeback contender as far as an nfc team definitely i think um i think i'm gonna actually stay in the same state as you i'm gonna go houston i'm gonna go just, i think with everything deshaun watson has gone with you know, obviously, this offseason, them not making the playoffs, being competitive, 
he's been quiet for a while. I think, in a way, he's going to use this as fuel to, fuel to um, compete and get the Texans back to where they were and possibly better. Obviously, trading DeAndre Hopkins was not smart. You know, he was very upset about that. But still having Will Fuller and other guys, I think um, the Texans will be good. I think um, Sean Watson also feels like he has a point to prove. So I definitely say them. But another team that I do feel like will come back is actually the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow tearing his ACL, but the season he was having was easily going to be rookie of the year before he tore his ACL. So I think the Bengals are going to come back. I think the Bengals make the playoffs this upcoming season. I think they're going to get some upset wins. I think Joe Burrow's going to come back better than ever, man. I really believe in his game and trust it. I think Joe Burrow is um, definitely underappreciated. I know he's only been in the league one year, but I think year two he's going to, you know, really turn it up. So it's going to be interesting, like, to see. But I'm excited for all all three of the teams, especially uh, the Cowboys, because I'm a big fan of Dak. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, I'm definitely not on the Houston train that you're on. But then again, that's why we have differing opinions. So um, I, I do like the Bengals pick. I think that is a fair pick because I think they're a much talented team this coming year, especially adding Jamar Chase. And there's they have so much talent that's just still raw. Like we got so many they got so many threats as far as players. I mean, Joe Mixon has really not had like a bust out campaign. It seems like how many years? I mean, he's always going to be in that top five running back perspective, especially with fantasy, because, you know, every year he's going to put up a 40 burger. It seems like every season he's going to have 150 or 40 burger. I'm quoting Barrett Jones there, 40 burger. I know it's 50 burger, right? Yeah, 50 burger. Anyway, you, you fantasy fans know what I'm talking about. Joe Mixon always has one of the craziest games we've ever seen. But only happens once every 16 games, which now would be 17. But um, I think that, I mean, that team, especially with a bunch of just raw talent, you got Jamar Chase now um, with Joe Burrow. That's through, that potential's through the roof with that chemistry. It's crazy. And then you got Tyler Boyd and you got, um, excuse me, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, they have a, thr- a complete threat. I mean, AJ Green is now gone, but then again, it's almost better for them because now they fit him with Jamar Chase. I think a lot of fans will take Jamar Chase over AJ Green. So that that's going to be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to see what the Bengals do. One team I'd also throw out, I think that everyone is going to watch, um, not me as closely as some other fans, but I think America's going to be paying attention to is Mr. Bill Belichick and the Patriots because last year yeah. not making the playoffs – not it, Chief. That's not them. They're, that was the one of the most uncharacteristic seasons they've had, which is crazy because they were 7-9. and nine. That's, that's insane. But how they bounce back, they now have Mac Jones, and just how they really kind of shed the whole receiver room, brought in a bunch of new guys, and now you bring... Like, they, they to me, showed, like, you know what? They're, they're committed to Cam. Like, they got him, his favorite targets over the years, especially in Carolina, was Greg Olson in the tight end room. That He loves his tight ends. And now he's got two of the league's best with him, with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. So now that's going to be very interesting. And just the fact that this defense is going to get better, I think it just makes them a legitimate contender, especially in the AFC East now, which has gotten a lot more interesting now with the Bengals and the Dolphins, or excuse me, the Bills and the Dolphins. Definitely think that that's a great point because Bill Belichick, week four, plays his old friend, Mr. Goat Tom Brady. <laughs> I think, I think um, this is definitely Patriots by 40. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, 
I can't believe it. I got Tom Brady by 100. <laughs> I had to Did say that. Know? Once you brought up Tom Brady, I was ready for it. Well, um, Bill, I've been kind of rough on him, I would say, this past year. But I think this is the year he turns it around. I think the Patriots are going to be competitive. I still have the Bills coming out the AFC East just because Josh Allen's insanely great. And the Bills still have one of the best defenses in the league. So I think they're going to be decent, the Patriots. I think they're going to be 8-8 eight eight or 9-7. and seven. I still don't think they'll like make a playoff push, but they could possibly make a wild card. But Bill Belichick has something up his sleeve. He loves the, the pungy, um, you, you know, the, the pungy white guys a little bit, like Mac Jones and like Tom Brady. He develops in them into something great. And what I mean by pungy, I mean like a compliment because he turns these guys who don't even, like Brady will tell you, I don't look like an athlete. He had one of the slowest 40 times. He turns them to great players. So I like Mac Jones. I love the fact his dedic- thing I like about Mac Jones the most is this man sat behind Jalen Hurts and Tua and only really got one year of college football. You know what he did? 15-0 national championship in a pandemic year. So you got to hats off to him. And I really think, hot take, I think Mac Jones will be the starter for New England by week eight. I think Cam is going to do his thing. Because I really think, Brandon, you might disagree, I think they got Cam as an insurance policy. They didn't know Mac Jones would be there. I think Bill Belichick always had an idea in the back of his mind that Cam's not going to be the guy for the future, so we need to draft a QB. And Mac Jones fell to them, so that's why Cam's on the one-year deal. But um, I think Cam, yeah, by week eight, I'm going to go Mac Jones be the starter. Mac Jones is going to have a good career in New England. Yeah, that is a good point. I do think that Cam Newton was was definitely an insurance policy when they brought him in. And just the fact that they're supporting him right now, I think makes Cam Newton feel pretty good. I think he, I think Cam Newton's a smart enough individual. He knows, like, they did not skip Mac Jones for a reason. So, but at the end of the day, like, if he takes them to a 12-5 and five season and they go to the playoffs, go to the AFC Championships, like, oh, okay, Cam's the guy after all, I guess. And now Mac yeah. Jones is just a really good backup. So it'll be really yeah. interesting to see how that plays out, and we're excited for the NFL season. But before we get into college baseball, wanted to let you know about Podstock, Brea Dog Radio's music podcast. Check out that on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, or whatever podcast platform you are on. So... Now to college baseball. We haven't talked about college baseball a little bit, but we are in the heat of the College World Series, the greatest show on dirt in one of the best places in America, in Omaha, Nebraska. Never thought I'd say that on air, but it really is. It's a magical place. So, but um, yeah, it's it's super exciting, and a lot of people have probably been tuning into on it or tuning into it, which is for which is okay because some people aren't as into college baseball as maybe me or Travis are, but. Um, it's been super exciting to watch. And I mean, with the pandemic, obviously, and I know one team that was <laughs> shocking the world, NC State, to not only took down the number one team in college baseball in Arkansas, they also beat the Vanderbilt Commodores, who are arguably one of the greatest dynasties in college baseball right now. And they're, unfortunately, their, their run ended up coming at expense of the pandemic, of COVID-19. They had to end up pretty much ruling the game a no contest against Vanderbilt for the second time with a chance to go to the World or the World Series, and it ended up coming short on them. So super unfortunate that this NC State team had to come, their, their, their run had to come to the end at the expense of coronavirus. Yeah, I think it just sucks. A lot of these guys are getting screwed for um, something that we just can't control. And I'm happy things are going, you know, world's opening up and different things I expressed earlier. I just think, you know, it just sucks that they work so hard all season, you know, they get screwed because of, you know, COVID. So, but college baseball has been amazing. I've been having a 
the blessing of covering baseball every day, kind of like a minor league um, system uh, team for the Great Lakes League, uh, Summer Collegiate League. So it's been great. And, but like watching on ESPN um, at the country club has also been great because Vanderbilt is such a dynasty. They always remind me they're like the Alabama of the college football. So I love seeing how great those guys play because um, you are right. A lot of people don't talk about as much, but it's something that should be talked about more. But I really thought they were going to win it, Brandon. Vanderbilt was my pick. I really thought um, just all the great years that they do it, and they're always at the Final Four. They're like literally Connecticut's women's basketball team. You know, they're just that great. So, um, but as far as NC State, it does suck. But I think it's more parity now we're getting in sports. A lot of these teams that we didn't think would win, you know, have a chance to win. So that's also fun from a fan's perspective, seeing a new team. Yeah, and I think um, NC State was like America's Cinderella in the college baseball world. It was, everybody was rooting for them. They're, take, they're slaying the Giants. They're, get, they're getting their way to the promised land, and then they just end up falling short at the expense of an illness, of all things. That's the worst feeling in the world. I feel so bad for, the, for all of that team just working so hard and then just coming up at the end of pretty... And it's, it's, this is the worst part to me is how much like we've advanced as a country to combat against this virus. And really, I think a, a lot of people can say, I know in the state of Michigan, we can say that we're really on the down end based on how that everything has been progressing with the mask mandate. Now it's been pretty much diminished. And it's like, now it's like, oh, we're back to normal and we're doing this, this, and this. And then you're caught at the tail end, not at the beginning. I think that's what hurts the most is now that everything has been progressing so far and then it just comes at the tail end i think that's the worst part i i really feel bad yeah. for nc state because the wolf pack definitely deserved to continue playing especially at the rate they were playing they were playing awesome team baseball and it was just really fun to see a really talented team that just couldn't fit we just couldn't see if they'd make it all the way because they they seemed like they could have been a legit title contender I and mean, i guess we're just not going to know how it would have turned out Brandon, you're completely right. And not to even get off topic, but this is something that needs to be addressed. You know, the, the virus has caused us to right now, like we're not even in, you know, the same room. Like we've been doing shows, you know, virtually. And it just sucks because these guys have worked so hard. And it's like basically they've been running these laps and going up these steps and they're at the final step, but they get knocked down, you know, seven. So it's just, you know, something out of their control. But I do think with the more vaccinations and different things like that, and one thing I actually do want to say, Michigan had the lowest number of cases yesterday that they've had since March 2020, so that's a good thing for us. But, um, yeah, I, I just hope by um, next season uh, you know, that they're not put in this situation again. Because you also got to think the athletes in 2020, some of the seniors couldn't finish out their senior season. So um, I definitely uh, hope, I feel for those guys and all guys who have been affected. To go back on Chris Paul, you know, he got the COVID protocol you know, at the beginning of the conference finals, I was like, oh, my God, every year is something for Chris Paul. So it's been a crazy, crazy year. Yeah, and the, it's just hard to, like you said earlier, it's just really hard to have something knock you out that you can't control. And that's really the hardest part. And, I mean, obviously there's people that would, of course, argue you can control it. You can stay away from people. You can always social distance. But there's a right. lot of times where, I mean, it's just as simple as maybe you took your mask off when you're in the grocery store and you thought you're by yourself and there was somebody nearby and it's just, that's just how it works. But um, yeah, it's just a tough situation. I feel bad for NC state, but um, on the other side of the bracket, Mississippi state advancing to the college world series on a much different note than Vanderbilt did yeah. on a walk off 
uh, against Texas. Really awesome game to watch. I mean, Will Bedner was awesome in his debut on the mound. I mean, that team looks really fun to watch because Texas was really making some noise. And Mississippi State just really took it to them. And, I mean, Texas was on top early in this game. And Mississippi State just clawing back, getting run, just every couple innings, clawing out one run. By the end of it, they ended up getting it tied, and they win it in the bottom of the ninth. So super, super exciting game. And, I mean, really, really cool to see the Bulldogs advance now to take on Vanderbilt in the final. Oh, yeah. I'm very happy for uh, Mississippi State, for one. Uh, my grandparents live there. My grandma was here currently. I'm visiting from uh, out of town. They're very big on uh, college sports there because there's obviously no um, professional sports in um, Mississippi. So, like, they're very big on Mississippi State and Old Miss. I have two cousins who went there. So everybody is electric. You know, it's they're very happy just because to be, like, in the College World Series and have a chance to win. Obviously, they beat Texas 4-3. to three. And it was a great, it was a great game. I felt like the pitching in the game overall was a uh, pretty good. Tristan Stevens obviously went on um, five innings. He allowed nine hits, only three runs, but um, you know he pitched a three ERA, so that wasn't too bad. And it was different things like that helped, you know, for um, both ways for um Texas, but for Mississippi, I really think uh Will Bendernar. I hope I did that right. Yeah, um, Bender. I felt like he, thank you. He had seven strikeouts, you know, through six innings. You know, um, only three runs, too. So it was kind of even. Then it just came down really to that final run. So for me personally, as a baseball fan, I love, like, the pitchers' duels. Seemed like a low-scoring game up until, like, uh, the ninth. And, you know, to have a chance to go to the World's, uh, College World Series is awesome. I'm very happy for those guys. I think Mississippi State deserves this. I really think they will win it. I think this is their year. This is a year of unpredictable, so I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State just played absolutely fantastic, and it's really going to be interesting to see if they can do it against Vanderbilt in in the World Series. I mean, they, both of these teams have absolute studs on the mound. I mean, Van, I mean, Vanderbilt really was, they were they were really a little nervous, especially in that game. Um, I believe once before. Um, I literally watched the replay last night of um when they played. I believe it was Virginia. And it had to come down. Or no, excuse me, Stanford. Stanford, that's what it was. I got too far back. Yes, when they played Stanford. And Stanford was one out away. They were one out away from knocking out Vanderbilt. They were up, I believe, 5-4. They are up one run. And Vanderbilt just, they got a walk. They ended up getting um, an infield single with an error that advanced the runner. And then they got a base hit. And it was all tied up. And then a wild pitch ends it. So just the fact that Vanderbilt is still here is... and. The, the whole NC State thing too. Just the fact that they're still here, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, this team got here a little bit with some with some luck. I mean, not yeah, like Notre Dame esque luck, but pretty good luck. But I'm still not saying like, oh yeah, this team's not. There's still a really freaking good baseball team. Like Kumar Rocker is absolutely fantastic. I hope he ends up in a Tigers uniform next year. I will be crossing my fingers because he would be absolutely yeah. phenomenal. But at the end of the day, I think Vanderbilt has a lot of the tools to get there again. I mean, obviously they're in their second straight, um, their second straight College World Series, and they're not. They're, this is not unfamiliar territory. They did this back in fourteen fifteen, but fifteen ended up on the the other side of the spectrum where they lost to Virginia after winning in fourteen. So. I think this is going to be really interesting to see. I mean, we there's so many great players. I mean, Jack Whitler as well. He's been great. And this this Commodore team is really one of the reasons why I'm going to be picking them to repeat, just because 
I think that this the story setups makes it like this is Mississippi State's gear, but I think this Vanderbilt team just has too much talent, and they just figure out how to be the best team and take the series. And I'm gonna pick them to win, despite how good Landon Sims has been for Mississippi State, how good Bender's been for Mississippi State on the mound. Vanderbilt knows how to offensively make it happen. And just they just know how to claw it out, and that's why they're one of the best teams in the country, and they have been for countless years. That, that is a great point, Brandon. Uh, I got to go with Mississippi State, so I, I kind of like this okay. friendly uh, bet. You know, yeah, that uh, works. Both uh, teams, it can go either way. Both teams are great. Obviously, Vanderbilt's you now is historically great, and Mississippi State's kind of on the Cinderella run currently. So I really think. But, um, it can go either way. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. I think each game is going to be close. And honestly, a prediction for me, I think each game is going to come down to one or two runs. And I don't think no game is going to be more than five runs because the pitching is just that great on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, I expect definitely a full capacity for this. I think it's going to be electric. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. It's the greatest show on dirt for a reason. We're all super excited to see this. I know I certainly am, but... Going into our last topic of the show, of course, we got Call Your Shot, our debate series, and today is no doozy. We're just talking about baseball. I don't know if it's going to be your pick, Travis. We'll find out, but we're debating what sport has the best fans. Travis, the floor is yours, my friend. Basketball is my favorite sport, Brandon, as you know. Sure. I have been very disappointed in some of the fans, obviously, with that had the incident with Kyrie and Russell Westbrook. So I'm not going to go with basketball, but the, the fans, the sport that has the best fans, Brandon, is the NFL. There's nothing like the NFL fans. Like, when it comes to football, they show out, they show love. Like, the Cheeseheads in Green Bay, obviously the Detroiters here, New England and Massachusetts, their fans for the Patriots. Just all over, all across the board, and it's just very, very um, fun. So i got to go with the NFL, because every time I look at um, the Super Bowl, it feels like a national holiday. So i just I got to go with the NFL and football. That is a great pick. I think that the NFL definitely, I mean, I've been to a couple Lions games at Ford Field, and it is electric, and it's just a really exciting time, especially for, I mean, for it's crazy that, like, us as, like, Detroit fans, like, we've gone to games, and we've been had an absolute fantastic time, and, I mean, Tigers coming off of a 40-win season, a couple wins, like, we shouldn't be as excited at these games, theoretically, based on the record next to the team's name in the, in the standings columns. But at the end of the day, like, you can go to an NFL game and it's literally the 0-16 Browns and you can have the time of your life because yeah. of the fans. So I think that's a great pick. I'm going to throw a curveball with my selection and I think there's there's method to the madness of my selection. But I think hockey's great. Basketball is phenomenal. Baseball is just a glorious sport. I'm going to take soccer as the best okay fan sport and there's a reason why when you go to a soccer game the fans there are devoted hardcore loyal and they are there for one reason and that's to watch their team win that is why they're there they have the loudest atmospheres you can see in a sporting venue and i could especially attest to this I've always wanted to go across the pond to go watch one in England or in Spain, but though that's another level. Like that, those venues are another level compared because the MLS is is 
kind of the the little brother compared to what we're talking Premier Premier League, uh, World Cup, all of those huge huge events. But I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal to see. You can Google and watch some of these games live and hear just the fan interaction. It is absolutely incredible to just see all the fans that are 100% devoted. They're chanting from the opening kickoff to the final three whistles. It is just absolutely mind-blowing how devoted these fans are. And it really is what makes, to me, like soccer is a little bit of a boring sport to watch. But in the stadium with fans... It's absolutely phenomenal. It makes the game so much better, and I think that's why they have the best fans. I think you you make it definitely a very interesting point. I think one thing, even though you chose soccer, I chose football. The similarities are, I feel like football fans are very loyal. For instance, we don't see a lot of super teams in football. Guys usually stay with one team their entire career, like the main guys. Then they might go to another team towards the later part of their career, like Brady and Manning. So I think. Like for instance, I've been to like Lions games and other uh, teams games like uh, the Bengals, and it's, it's like the same atmosphere that you're saying. So like as I'm listening to them, like this is amazing because they match perfectly. So I just think uh, it's great, and also the World Cup is the most viewed uh, sporting event I believe in the world, more viewed than the Super Bowl. So you definitely can make a great argument for soccer. And that was a curveball. I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to soccer or baseball, but uh, that's a very very good pick, Brandon. Yeah, I, I think baseball, I think, has great fans. I think it's just, like, the, the overall, like, um, I guess the, the I, like, the criteria I was selecting on was what, like, the best fans as far as making the sport best, I think, is kind of where yeah. I was going. And that's what immediately I was, like, immediate. I've played soccer. I've experienced it. And it's like, whoa, different level to what I've expected. So um, I think there's, I think, really, you can make an argument for a lot of them. Um, I won't, I, I love how you made the, the super, the super team. I was about to tell you that, um, the soccer, you don't see a lot of super teams, but <clears throat> super league, no, that's a terrible idea. No super league. Cancel it immediately. Stop. We're going to throw that in the trash and we're going to keep moving. That's an absolutely awful idea. But anyway, before I get off track on an absolute rant, um, thank you guys for checking out our show. We really appreciate your view of this episode of the shot callers episode four thank you again travis for joining the show it was absolutely phenomenal my man do you have any last words continue to check our content out and we definitely plan obviously brandon joe and myself are busy but we definitely plan to keep getting you guys content and um please look out for more episodes of the shot callers during our summer series absolutely and don't forget to subscribe to Bulldog Radio so you don't miss any of our episodes. Come on. We need you to see every episode because you love watching us, right? Right? I hope I hope so. But don't forget also, subscribe to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast if you're not the MVSP on YouTube where you can find all of this show's highlights and more on that channel. So go check it out. I'll leave a link in the description as well as find us on your podcast platform. If you don't want to watch the whole show, that's cool. That's fine. You're not, no judgment here. If you want to listen to the whole show, however, go make sure you find it on whatever podcast platform you are on. But from Brandon and Joe, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next time. <laughs>